This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio, Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Lechlecha, in the year Tuf Shin Pei Beis 5782, and a very, very warm welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for making the time on a busy Friday afternoon, to come join us, to come allow us into your homes, into your ears, into your devices, so that hopefully we can share a few words of Torah, a few words of Chizuk, make us stronger, better, more more aware Jews, both in terms of the Parsha, in terms of some Halacha, and that, that should help us create an atmosphere that will lead into a beautiful Beautiful Shabbos. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right down to the very, very first Pasuk of this week's Pasha, probably one of the most famous Sukkim in the Torah. Vayoymer Hashem el Avram. Hashem says to Avram, Lech lecha, go for yourself. May Artsacha from your land, your country. Umi Mailaritsacha and from your birthplace. Umi Beisavicha. And you from your father's house, to a land which heretofore will remain unnamed, but I'll show you where you have to, where you have to go. And obviously all the commentaries ask the very obvious question that the way the verse is set up, it seems to be backwards. Leave, go for yourself. From your land. One second. If I'm leaving, I'm going on a journey. So then, the very first place I leave is I walk out of the front door and I say, bye, Dad, whatever, I'm, I'm leaving. You leave your home. And then you travel around some local streets till you get to the motorway, and eventually you reach the city limits. And then once you're out in the city limits, you're on the open road, and eventually you'll get to a border crossing and leave and leave your country. Surely the order should have been faket, should have been backwards all the way around. Leave your father's house and your birthplace, which is like your city, and then your country. Why is it, why is it backwards? So open your heart to your amazing, beautiful idea from the Alshech. The Alshech says that Avraham Avinu is not being told to make merely a physical transplant of himself to move himself from one country to another just to pack up and you know send the lift and 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 pack up all the things and 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 move oneself to to a different place Avramavino is being asked to completely transform and change himself from a person who lived in one environment to someone who's going to be in a totally totally different different environment and there the process is totally, totally different because one has to uproot not just a, a, a physical proximity, but one has to actually change one's whole, one's whole life. And there it works actually the other way around because when I am the first thing and perhaps the easiest thing to do is to leave my country's culture. Yes, Sunday, bride day, okay. I can live without Sunday bride day and okay, you know, maybe I won't support the spring box any anymore. Okay, that's not such a terrible, terrible thing. But my city, 
Well, my city, well, that's, that, I spent a lot of time in my city, you know? It's, it's, it's the haunts that we used to frequent on, on, on Saturday night. It's the, the outings and the parks and the things we went to with family and, and friends. It's my favorite eating spots and, and, and things, and things like that. It's the, it's the place where I, you know, I fell in and, and broke my arm. It has a lot, a lot of significance. Very hard to uproot that. And of course, most difficult is base of your father's house, to, 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 to depart from the customs and, and traditions and things you had at home from your mom's, you know, best in the world Friday night chicken or, or from, you know, the, 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 the kind of your, your bed and, and your little, your little corner. And, and the way things were done and, and, and the minhagim and the, and the way things happened in your house and, and the, and the great conversations and romps you had with your dad. That's really, really difficult to leave. And especially since Avraham Avinu is now going to another country, to a land of Kedusha, to a land of Israel, and needs to completely, completely forget all the culture of, of Choron and, and, and Urkastim and, and the house of, of Terach. That's a very, very difficult ask. And therefore, the Torah presents it in, from easiest to most, to most difficult in order to make it a little bit easier for Avram to make that spiritual, that spiritual transition. And of course, for us, if we want to change, it's not enough ever to just, you know, pick yourself up and go to a different location. It's, it's making that spiritual transition. It's, it's getting rid of some of the crazy things we, we have in our head, some of our, some of our Mishugasim, some of the cultures we've imbibed from the world around us and becoming greater and more involved and committed Jews. This is 101.9 High FM. We're just beginning. Please stay tuned. We'll be back with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Lech Lech, Tov, Shin, Pei, Beis. It is wonderful to be with you again and be able to spend some time talking, Torah, preparing ourselves for Shabbos, Kodesh. And let's talk about Avram Avinu. Pesach tells us something interesting about Avram. Avram was very, very laden with livestock, with silver, and, and with gold. Now, in Yiddishkeit, when we talk about the Hasidus of Ruzhin, so that already conjures up images of wealth and royalty. Indeed, the saintly Ruzhina, Ruzhina Rebbe was in fact a, a legend in his own in his own time, everything about him, from the way he dressed to his living quarters to his total demeanor, was resplendent with wealth and and monarchy. Nonetheless, he was regarded as one of the greatest tzaddikim of of his time. The greatest gedolim, Torah giants of his generation, would travel for weeks just to spend a brief visit with him. They viewed him as mamish, as a, as a angel, as a, as a heavenly angel dispatched to this world on a divine mission to reach out and inspire Klaiso, to infuse them with love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for his Torah, and to glorify his name. The Rebbe's fame spread far and wide, and people from all over 
came to him just to bask in his greatness. Once, when the Regina visited Germany, so the distinguished Rav of Frankfurt, the saintly Rav Shamshun Falhirsch Zatzal, came to visit him. Following the visit, Rav Hirsch was asked his impression of the Rebbe. Rav Hirsch replied, It is quite unbelievable to see how all the money and honor is brought to him, and he himself is totally disinterested in it. His one and only concern is how to increase covered Shemayim and the covered of, of Klaiso. The, the, uh, the maskilim, those who kind of tended towards the enlightenment, who were really, unfortunately, self-hating Jews, who looked for every opportunity to demean and denigrate Yiddishkeit and all of its, uh, religious adherents and especially its, uh, 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 its expositors and, 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 and those who, who spread and disseminated Torah, found in the Regina an example of one whom they viewed as pretentious and insincere. How could the Rebbe reconcile piety with ostentatious wealth? Clearly, his saintliness, they felt, was a sham, conjured up to curry favor and amass even greater wealth from his unsuspecting Hasidim. The Holy Regina responded to their hateful critique by citing Avramovino's method of outreach as an example of employing wealth as a means for garnering the, the esteem of people. When Avramovino commenced his journey of outreach, he took with him a large cache of, of wherewithal, which, with which he hoped to impress people. Why did he do this? The Rebbe asked. Our, our patriarch Avram was well aware that simple people gravitate to those who are blessed with material abundance. Our society is obsessed with materialism to the point that the more someone earns, the more they are likely to be admired by strangers and perceived to be interesting, exciting, and even erudite. Respect appears all too often to be directly correlated to one's wealth. Right? Uh, 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 at the same time, one who does not have high earning power struggles to convince his peers to take his views or character seriously. The Rebbe quoted Gemara Gittin on Nuntes, which says, from the days of Moshe Rabbeinu until the days of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, we do not find unparalleled greatness in Torah knowledge and unparalleled greatness in secular matters, including wealth and high political office combined in one place. In, in other words, in a single in, in individual. Right? Likewise, from the days of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi until the days of Rabbi Ashi, we don't find Why specifically these three people? Why Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, and Rabbi Ashi? The Rebbe asked, were these Torah giants the only ones 
who had achieved Taira Ugdullah B'makamechad, the Rebbe explained that each one of these giants was a, a, a specially disseminated of, of Taira without peer. Moshe gave us the Taira. Rabbi Yudan Nasi, right, redacted the Mishnah. Ravashi compiled the Gemara. It's one thing to put forth the effort and prepare the redaction and, and, and compilation. But how does one ensure its acceptance? People are fickle and have large egos. They could contend that if they would have prepared it, they would have done a better job. When one is wealthy, however, people listen to him. Wealth begets esteem and power, which in turn generate acclaim and acceptance by the masses. Sadly, this external uh, 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 sort of caveat was necessary in order to achieve immediate acceptance by the people. In an alternative way of looking at it, the Maram Shif writes that anyone who completes even one component of the Torah in such a manner that when he has completed it, it's absolutely critical that he possess these qualities of Torah greatness and wealth in one place. He must be the greatest and wealthiest because if someone supersedes him, either in scholarliness or in material bounty, he may feel that he can therefore impugn the integrity of his predecessor's teaching. I know better. I'm wealthy. I'm even greater. The Torah was concluded by Moshe Rabbeinu, leaving no room for opposition. Rabbi Yehuda Nasi redacted the Mishnah so that no one may dispute or append it. Likewise, Rab Ashi sealed the Gemara, right? Circumventing the opportunity for any kind of challenge. The Chasim Soifa adds that this is why the, the Kairach, right, raved about his enormous wealth. He felt that if he could demonstrate to the people that his wealth superseded that of Moshe, then Moshe would no longer represent Torah and wealth in one place, thus allowing the opportunity for Korach to, to impugn his teachings. This was another area in which Korach confirmed his short-sightedness. Perhaps we could even suggest another approach, which again focuses more on the Torah than on the wealth. Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, and Ravashi represent the ultimate achievement of Torah study in that they took the enjoyment of, uh, of a limud, of ulamid, of teaching, of learning and teaching to its highest point. Hashem wants us not only to study Torah, but to see to it that every single person in Klaiso studies Torah, right? Lilamit, teaching Torah, defines the mitzvah of Limanat Torah, right? Each of these giants reached 
the, the, the highest level of Torah learning because he personally saw to it that the Torah was available to the masses. Each of them ascertained that Torah would never be forgotten as was accessible to everyone, anywhere, all of the time. Avraham Avinu studied Torah, but until he reached out to the masses, right, the period of 2,000 years of void of Toyu in the world continued to exist. It was only after that he reached out to the multitudes and brought them under the protective wing of the Shekhinah in order to usher that usher in the next period, which was the 2,000 years of Torah, Torah learning. This is 11.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio here. Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pashas Lech Lecha, Tough Shin Pei Beis, and a warm welcome to those of us who are just joining us for our third segment of the show. We are about to go into something I think is very, very interesting and very relevant to this week's Pasha, and perhaps a little bit of a comparison or a contrast to last week's, last week's Pasha. And I think you might learn some very interesting things along the way. So fasten your seatbelts, right? Relax. Get yourself a beer if you want to do that, or a l'chaim, or a glass of milk, and let's let's learn together. Now we know that in the Gemara Shnais we find Tanoim who are just called by their name without any title in front of it. On the contrary, we also have some Tanoim who are called Rebbe. We have a third category of Tanayim who are called Rabbon. And it's brought in the, in the Tisefta that the title Rebbe is greater than the title Rav and Rabbon is greater than Rebbe and the greatest of all is just the person itself. Right? You have a doctor, you have a professor, and then like the biggest monk is called Mister. To call just by his just by his name is the greatest praise. For instance, Shimon Hatzadik, Shemaya, Avtalian, who are called because who are called just by their name because of their incredible greatness. The Rambam. In fact, in his introduction to uh, uh, to to uh, Perish Hamishnayis in the seventh chapter, he writes that there were twenty-two great Tanoim, and because of their greatness, they're called by their name without any other title, because there's no title that could express properly express. Their, their greatness. In the, in the Shalas Chulas, Afaxa so he brings there to try to explain this statement that Rebbe is greater than Rav and Rabban is greater than Rebbe 
and the name is even greater than that. He says, when a Chacham is just called by his name, he says this is an indication that the Chachma and, and, and his greatness is completely dependent on his own growth, on his own self-motivation. And it's not dependent at all on anybody else. When a Chacham is called with a title of Rav or Rebbe or even Rabban, that's a simon that his greatness is somehow dependent on his Talmidim, on his students. Because only very, very special Chachamim merited to reach the great level they reached just by themselves. Most of the Chachamim needed their Talmidim in order to become really, really great. As in fact, Rabbi Yudha Nasi says in Makas Tafyud, I learned a great deal of Torah from my teachers. Even more from my colleagues. And from my students, I learned most, most of all. And with this, you can explain a very, very interesting uh, a statement of the Zayra Kaddish that Hashem says, Nasa, let us make, because Hashem consulted before making man. So in Rashi and Mephoshim, we learn that he consulted with the Malachim. However, in the Zayar, it brings that the there was a call in Shemayim saying, Shimon, Shimon. And Rav Shimon wondered, that's, uh, 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 who's possibly calling, calling me? And he realized that when he was being called just Shimon Shimon, without any other title, not Rabbi Shimon, he said to his colleagues, it, it must be that Kaddish Baruch Hu that is, that is calling me. End quote of the, of the Zoyar. And the obvious question is, how did Rabbi Shimon know that uh, the fact that he wasn't being called Rebbe or Rabban or something else, that that was definitely the Shekinah that was that was summoning summoning him. But it's brought in in the Yerushalmi, in the name of Rabbi Bo, that originally the the uh, each Rebbe would appoint and decide who were his Talmudim going to going to be. Rabbi Akiva handpicked Rabbi Meir and and uh, and and Rav Shimon. And it says that Rav, Rav, Rav Meir sat down before Rav Shimon did. And Rav Shimon was very, very upset because in reality he was greater even than Ramea, and should have been given the respect of sitting down first. Says Rabbi Akiva to him, don't worry. It's enough that I and the Rabbi Shlalem know your true, your true greatness. In other words, we can understand that 
the even the Chachamim of, of themselves didn't recognize the greatness of, of Rabbi Shimon Yochai. And therefore, they called him Rabbi Shimon, right, with, with the additional title of Rabbi, because they thought that his greatness came because of his Talmidim, like Rabbi Ranasi said. However, the Shekhinah Kedosha revealed the real truth, that he should actually be called just Shimon, without any additional title. Because the greatness of his Chachmah was independent, was something he had attained by himself without even needing uh, uh, and him to help him to help him to to grow. Perhaps another way of of looking at this is, you know, in in last week's parsha, when we introduced to Nayach and we're told Ele told Nayach, Nayach is tzaddik. Nayach was a righteous person. Tamim was perfect. He walked with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rashi says, As soon as the Torah mentions him, It starts to tell us his praises. As it says, Every time you mention it's it's praise him. Now, the obvious question is, First of all, this wasn't the first time that Nayak was mentioned. Already way back in Pasha's Bereshis, we mentioned Nayak's name. And using this principle of Zecher Tzadik Levrocha, the Torah already uh, should have praised Nayak already back in Bereshis, where he's mentioned a few times. When he's mentioned the first time. How come the praise only comes now? In, 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 in Pashas Nayach. Furthermore, if this principle of every time you mention a tzaddik, you should praise him, right? That, so therefore, how come in this week's Pasha, where we are introduced to the great tzaddik, Avram Avinu, in the beginning of Pasha's Lechlucha, the Torah doesn't say anything about the praises of Avram Avinu. In fact, we don't speak at all about Avram's great attributes. In fact, uh, the Rebbe uh, the, uh, and, and the Moral and Gur actually ask this, this, this question. Says the Gemara in Mesech HaSerachim that in Eretz Yisrael they used to say that we know Lashon Hara Kills three people. We know it kills the person who tells the Lashon Hara. It, it kills the person who listens and accepts the Lashon Hara and the victim of the, of the, uh, of, of, of the Lashon Hara. Right? And the obvious question is, we understand why the speaker should, should, uh, should be punished you understand that the listener who was responsible by, by lending an eager ear to, to make the person speak. We understand they should be, they should be punished. They, they actually sinned with the sin of Lashonara. But the big question is, why does the victim of the one who's spoken about, why does he have to suffer 
What did you do wrong? So here we come to a very, very important concept. And, and that is, we have to understand the incredible damaging power of, 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 of a dibura, of, of, of bad speech. Because the, the bad that's spoken about a person actually has a terrible effect on the person whom was being spoken about. Why? Because when we speak negatively about a person, that has the power to bring out from the person, from, from latent potential into reality, all the hidden negative elements of a person's uh, personality. And therefore, when you speak bad about another person, so what happens is that kind of goes into the person and searches out and attracts like a, like a magnet all the evil qualities that are hidden in the person. And it's much, much, much easier for that person than to bring out those evil qualities into, into reality, to bring them out, outside. And therefore, even against his will, it's, it's almost impossible for the person who was spoken about not to avoid being damaged, not to be, not to avoid being so susceptible to, 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 uh, not being able to control those, those bad clerks that so much now want to get out. And of course we understand that if that's true about speaking Russian horror, and we know that Hashem's Mead of doing goodness is much, much, much time, much, much greater than Hashem's attribute of punishment. Therefore, if this is true in the negative side about someone who speaks bad about another person, how much more so about someone who speaks positively about a person? That those positive words go into the person and they make it much, much more facile for the person to access and, and to, to kind of bring out into the open all of his, all of his good, of his good means. And because the Gemara in Bamatsia says that we know Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi revealed about his son, Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, that it, uh, it happened was once there that he fell into a very, very deep, a deep pit. And what, what Rabbi Ranasi did? He gave him smicha. He gave him the right to, to, to paskim. And, and he gave him the title of, of Rebbe. And Rashi explains why did he give him the title of, of, of Rebbe? So that people should call him Rebbe, so that people will be a little bit uh, 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 jealous of him, and kind of he'll be able to then more easily access his strengths in 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 Torah, and become a greater person, and therefore be more likely to be saved from his from his predicaments by people calling him. Rebbe, that would encourage him. That would give him more, more strength, more, more potential, more drive in his, in his learning Torah. And that would be his chus for him. That would help him get out of that predicament. So therefore, 
by Parshas Noach. Not in, in Breshas, but in, in Noach. Where Noach was about to stand in front of a huge, huge test. To stand up against a gener- an entire generation of crooks, of criminals, of idol worshippers, of people who served adultery, of, of thieves. And, and, and not to be at all attracted, not to be at all dragged down after their actions and their, and their terrible meters. How do you do that? So Hashem chose, therefore at the beginning, to mention all the great attributes, all the milas of, of Nayach, and to speak about it so that it would make it much, much more easy for him to access all of those immense, latent, good qualities that he had, and, and be able to stand up to the, to the, to the test. But by Avram Avinu, who we know is going to be the father of, of, uh, of Kleiso, so what, uh, which Nayak never merited to do, and we know that Avram was going to face ten tests, and therefore, specifically by Avram, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not speak any praises about Avram Avinu at the beginning of the Pasha. Why? Because he wanted to challenge him. He needed Avram through his own energy, through his own koichas, without the incentive and the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to access all those great and strong koichas that are hidden in him, and therefore be able to to withstand the Nisyonis on his own two feet without the help of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if you could stand those, those Nisyonis on his own two feet, that would prove that he's right to be the father of our nation. And then maybe that's why it says by Noach, Esu Elokim Nisalach Noach. Noach was only be able to, was able to achieve his greatness with the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who, who pumped him up by speaking about how great how great he was. But Avraham Avinu says, you got to go on your own two feet. You've got to prove your own greatness through your own strength, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps without any any help from, from HaKadosh Baruch. If so, we can understand and, and say that the, the Shekhinah also therefore chose to call Rabbi Shimon just Shimon Without, without the word Rebbe, in order to teach us that Rav Shimon is like Avram Avinu. And, and the same way that Avram Avinu, <coughs> the Torah doesn't want to mention any of his praises in order to make his nesyonis, his tests greater, and therefore the reward even greater, so to Rabbi Shimon, who was so innately great, in Shaman, they didn't want to praise him at all in order to raise the specter of his tests and raise the specter of his, of his in, 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 in the, uh, accomplishments. Perhaps we could add one, one more thing by bringing the, the Hassan Seifer in, in his Chidushim. He brings the Gemara in, in, uh, in, in Megillah where Reish Lakish was once going on the roads, and he came to a, a huge big pool of, of water. And he couldn't, couldn't get over it. So there was a certain person who saw Reish Lakish there, 
picked him up and took him on his shoulders and was crossing the river. So, uh, uh, Reish Lakish said to the man, have you learned Chumash? He said, yes, I've learned Chumash. Have you learned Mishnayis? He said, yes, yes, I've learned four Siddharma Mishnayis. He said to him, what? You're so great, you learned four Mishnayis and you're carrying me across the river? I'm not worthy of being carried by you. Throw me into the water. So the man said, no, no. I really, really want want to serve you. I want to do this service to you. So the Rashtok said, okay, if so, let me teach you Allah. And then once you are, once I teach you Allah, you'll be my student and then you can you can serve me. And he told him that uh, Jewish girls are very, very careful that even if they see a drop of blood, they they wait seven clean, clean days. Says the Chassan Seifer, Reish Lakish understood that this man was, was a Tam Chacham. And he, but he was a very, very, very humble person. And because he had learned for a, a, a Siddharam and, and yet he was carrying Reish Lakish on his, on his shoulders. And Reish Lakish couldn't tell by the clothing he was wearing that he was a, a big Tam Chacham. And, and, and this was a tremendous attribute that he, that he didn't make any ears about, about him, uh, him, himself. And that's the way Chachamim act to hide their good deeds as much as, as possible that people shouldn't realize their true, their true, uh, 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 uh greatness. Right? And, uh, and in fact, as the, as the Chavos Avavos writes that even though that it's the derech of tzaddikim and, 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 and the chassidim. One has to be very, very careful to hide yourself, but at the same time, not to get depressed, but to be happy always, all day, in, in your avodah Hashem. And that's what he says. The, he, what did Rishlachus teach him? That Jewish girls are machmi on themselves, are so strict that even on a very, very small avera, which is compared to this drop of blood, they 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 worried. Uh, the, the, the greater the tzaddik is, the more he's worried about his 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 averus. And therefore, maybe we can say that <laughs> Rav Shimon, who truly understood that in his own mind he was not worthy of any respect, because maybe he had done some other, maybe he had a bad thought. But he knew the world didn't know that. When he heard the Shechina calling him Shimon, he understood this must be the Shechina. Because only HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands that I'm not perfect and not deserving of, of being given any, any great, any great, uh, any great titles. So therefore, that's what explains to us that in fact, the greatest name a person can have is in fact not to be called any title at, at all. This is 101.9 and the program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, the program is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas, Lech Lecha, in the year Tavshin Pei Beis. It's so great having you on board as we now swap and start talking a little bit about the halachas. And we're back at the beginning of Hilchas Shabbos. Before we do that, of course, 
as we always do at this time, to give us the important times that we need to know for this coming Shabbos, Parshas Lechlochem. So the earliest time for lighting candles this afternoon is at 4.55, five minutes to five. That is the earliest time if you're organized, if you've got everything in place and all the foods on the hot tray or hostess or wherever you keep it and, and everyone's dressed and everyone's showered and the house is looking all spiffy and ready for Shabbos. Hey, let's go for it. Let's get into Shabbos. Let's light those candles. Let's daven for our family. Let's daven for those that, that are dear to us as we've spoken before. And let's begin, let's begin the, the Shabbos. The latest time for lighting candles this coming uh, uh, afternoon is at 5.56, four minutes before six o'clock. We're marching, we're marching uh, uh, along. Please make sure that everything is ready, that the house is all ready and you're on your way to shul because you should be going to shul if you're a shul goer uh, on, uh, and in time for, for mincha, which usually starts around the time of, of, uh, of candlelighting, 5.56, is the latest candlelighting time. Uh, sunset Shkia is at 6.14. That's absolutely latest injury time. If you're sort of stuck on a motorway and, and, and you, you need that extra time to get home, please, please, please leave earlier so that you don't have a situation like, like that. It really, really is nerve wracking and also, and very, very problematic. So let's do everything we can, please, to, to avoid that situation. 6.14 is Eshkia, therefore, if you want to be able to daven Mayrav at night and not have to repeat the, the Krishma at, uh, at, at all, so then, of course, one will, uh, uh daven Mayrav after about 6.32, and then you're in the clear, you're good to go, you won't need to repeat the Krishma again, and then, of course, you can then simmer down after, after a good Mayrav in Shul, and and then enjoy the family, enjoy a, a beautiful meal that uh, has been cooked with love and and devotion and and such excitement for 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 Shabbos tomorrow. Of course, is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Lechlecha and the normal Haftarah for for Pashas for Pashas Lechlecha, and it's a routine routine Shabbos as we get ready. Course for next week for the for the Shabbos for the Shabbos uh, project, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at six forty seven thirteen minutes before seven o'clock. Getting along the Shabbos, so I get definitely definitely getting getting longer. One can feel it perhaps in the in the weather. It's uh, quite quite warm this week, but that makes for a beautiful beautiful Shabbos day. Maybe sit outside a bit and and read something and enjoy and enjoy the. The environment, enjoy the ambiance of, of, of a Shabbos. We are just about finishing up the laws of candle, candle lighting. We spoke last week about different situations of people who are married, single, at home, not at home. Just what about uh, people though, let's say, who are living, let's say, in a communal environment. They're in, they're in a yeshiva and therefore living in some kind of a, a, a dormitory or, or, or a sem. It's, et cetera, same sort of situation or, or God forbid someone who's, who's, uh, who's not well. So generally speaking, uh, uh, let's say yeshiva students, Bokrim or, or, or even university students, whatever, who are, who are learning in, in a yeshiva and, and, and living in a communal type of, of, of situation. 
even though, of course, they're still dependent on on their parents. Someone's paying the yeshiva or or seminary or university fees. They're still very much dependent on on their parents who who take care of all of their all of their needs. Mom, I need money, right? Uh, and and of course. Uh, the parents respond when 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 you have a situation that the parents are still taking full financial responsibility for you still since for a, quite a majority of time a whole semester or a whole year whatever the the children are away from home and 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 taking up lodging in a dormitory type situation so during the time when they are away when they're in, in, in the dorm, they are considered to be independent. And therefore, as independent people, they are obligated to fulfill the mitzvah, their own personal mitzvah, as we spoke last week, of lighting candles in honor of, uh, of Shabbos. Since, let's say, they're in that uh, uh, dorm kind of setup and they're eating their meals together in a communal in a communing dining hall. So then they have the status really of one big family. And therefore one of them would need to light candles in the, the dining room with a bracha on behalf of, uh, of all of them. In addition to that, each one of them has to make sure that there should be at least some minimal amount of light in their in their rooms, at least until the time they go they go to uh, to sleep, so that there's not darkness in their room. There's some light. They have an ability to see what's uh, what's uh, what's going what's going on, and it's enough in that situation to uh, if you have uh, lighting, let's say in the in the passage that spills over into the room so at least you can see a little bit what you're what you're doing uh, or you have a even if there's sort of from the window there there's street lights shining into the rooms that already is is sufficient because there is light you're not stumbling around in the in the dark and even though if they if they wanted to they would be allowed let's say to light candles in each room with a a bracha, but the truth is, since really they're fulfilling their their obligation in the communal lighting that this one person is lighting on behalf of all of them in in the dining room, there really is no need for each one of them to to light uh, individually in their in their uh, in in their room, and and in fact that is generally the the broad based custom in yeshivot seminaries uh, uh, universities to to have one person light on behalf of everybody and just make sure there's some light in the in 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 the dormitory in a situation however of a sem where it's an all girls let's say a dorm where many of them let's say do want to light with a bracha maybe they come from homes where they've always lit with with a bracha, and they'd like to continue that tradition, that that minute, even when they are in 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 sem. So then, it's perfectly all right 
if in addition to the candles that one girl will light or the embayat will light in the in the dining room, there are the other girls are allowed if they want to to uh, have this chut of doing another mitzvah to light candles in the rooms with with a a a, a bracha. However, <laughs> you better find out first whether the uh, administration of the school allows lighting in the room. Many places, and quite rightfully so, and just to fly be so, are, are worried a little bit about a fire, a fire hazard, and they don't allow lighting candles in, in the room. So then, we go back to the normal status, status quo situation, and everyone fulfills that obligation with the, with the lighting of one of them on behalf of everyone in the, in the, uh, in, in the charocha. And it's a good idea that the other girls should have in mind that uh, when they, let's say, turn on the light in, in their room to fulfill the mitzvah that, that way, as we spoke, as we spoke before. Uh, ill people in, in a, in a hospital fulfill their obligation where the, again, if, uh, with candles that are being lit in a central dining room, that is also sufficient. We'll come back and finish this discussion. Please go out after the break, but we're going to go away and come right back. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and this is and remains the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio as we enter our last segment of this week's show. It goes so fast, unbelievable how time, the the nearly hour that we have, passes together. And we're talking about lighting candles. We're talking about for a woman or a person who's in in uh, in a hospital over Shabbos. So as we said, on a fundamental level, if someone is lighting candles in a dining room, we're talking obviously in, in, in a Jewish hospital, then you could fulfill your obligation by those candles. A married woman who normally lights candles every single Shabbos in her home, if she finds herself over Shabbos in a hospital setting, so again, if permission is granted, she would be allowed to light candles in her room with with a, a brach. I am aware of some places where they actually do uh, allow that in a situation where they don't allow, which I think would probably be the majority. And, and, and in the hospital, one can certainly uh, rationalize and, and understand that that might be the the case. So where the the rules of the hospital do not allow. Uh, a, a lighting of candles in in the room because of a fire hazard. So then, in a Jewish hospital, again, one could rely on the on the on the dining room. Otherwise, one can use other kind of lighting that we spoke about uh, uh, before that would qualify as being as being uh, uh, Shabbos lights. These uh, LEDs and different things that are usable for for lighting for lighting. Uh, 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 candles and, and, uh, again, 
um, one needs to, and we'll speak about this more later in terms of having lights turned on and off in the hospital. We'll speak quite at length about, about some of the laws of, of that apply to keeping Shabbos in a, in a, in a hospital. But that really, I think we've kind of rounded off the discussion of, of candle lighting in the hospital. I think the next major topic we're going to go to is well, since we've lit candles, now we're going to go to davening. So we'll talk a little bit about the davening of of of, uh, of Shabbat and and maybe the the Torah reading, and then we'll get into the laws of of uh, of Kiddush. Lots of lots of fascinating and important and interesting discussions coming up. It really really is worthwhile to fix your dial or whatever it is to 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 the station and and make use of the incredible incredible Torah offerings that are that are present. All, all the time, soul to soul on your radio every Monday to Friday from 1 to 3 o'clock and other shurim, dotted. I've often turned on at night and here to heard some fascinating and beautiful shurim from various incredible, incredible speakers. Take advantage of it. It's there for us to utilize. It's there, it's there for us, for us to, to grow, to grow by. But speaking of grow by, we're going to sort of uh, take our leave now and make sure that there isn't a growing uh, crisis going on in our homes. Make sure our Shabbos is ready and, and restful. Keep the temperatures low, even as the outside temperature might be high. Let's keep it calm. Let's keep it relaxed. Let's just do what we need to do. Hopefully we get everyone involved in preparing, preparing for Shabbos. But I'm just going to take the opportunity of, first of all, thanking each and every one of you for your participation in, in the show. I'd love to hear from you, really. You don't get that much feedback. I don't know if that means that you're satisfied or totally unsatisfied, but you don't even know how to say the words you want to say. But please, take advantage either through the station or you can contact me directly. I'm not that anonymous. Pretty anonymous, but not that anonymous. We certainly can get, can get hold of me. And thank you for being with us. And just to wish each and every one of you, a beautiful, scintillating, inspiring, together, unified, and wonderful good Shabbos.